You guys have made it to the last Sunday of the month. Congratulations. That means everything that the enemy tried to throw at you, all the ups and downs, all the, the, the times that you thought you, maybe you stumbled this last year or you didn't get it right, uh, all the heavy artillery that may have been launched against you in the spirit, at the end of the year, where are you at? You're still here in the house of God, still praising him, still receiving the word. So that means you made it through the year successfully and that God is still victorious in your life and that the devil is still defeated. Amen. He was defeated long ago on the cross and he still is. He's still a defeated foe. So congratulations. You made it through another year, still walking with the Lord. And uh, next year is going to be a blessed year. Next year is also going to be a challenging year. Because every year is that. <laughs> there's blessings, there's challenges. Uh, you know, this, this last year, going into 2021, the word that God gave us was to be courageous. To be courageous. He commanded Joshua. He said, I command you to be strong and courageous. It was a command. It wasn't a suggestion. He said, I'm telling you right now, you're going to be brave. You're going to face some things. But don't worry, I'm with you every step of the way. And he has been. Little did I know what I would face within my own life uh, this, this year. We, uh, my family faced, we had some high, uh, high highs, man. I mean, we had some major blessings in my family. And then we had some major tragedies in my family. And through all of it, the, word, the Lord would remind me of his word of be strong, be courageous. David, I'm commanding you, be brave, be brave. And so we had to face some things. Uh, you know, this going into this Christmas season uh, was, was a little emotionally challenging for, for my family, you know, with the loss of my nephew this last August. This would be our first year without him. And, uh, and but, but the whole family just, just, we were brave and we went into it and we celebrated Christmas and we celebrated each other and we had a wonderful time. Uh, the word going into this coming year for gathering church, uh, the Lord started speaking it into the fall for me. And, and it's been echoing in my heart. And it's, I am growing a church. 22, 2022, it's a, it's a year of growth for gathering church. Now, if he chooses for that to somewhat mean numerical growth, fine, awesome. He will add to us as he sees fit. The way he tends to operate here is he sends those who are supposed to be here. And those who stop in and receive for a little while and need to move on, he moves them on. And, and that's fine. These, these, we're, we're his sheep. So, so he puts us in whatever fold we need to be in uh, to grow the best. But, but what, what I believe he means by growth is we personally will be growing in him. We will be growing up and maturing in Christ. Because really that's the job of each fellowship. That's the job of those who he's called into ministry. And really he's called us all into ministry. But he, he, he blesses the saints with the fivefold ministry for the equipping of the saints. And, and in order for us to grow and be equipped, we've got to get into the word of God. It's not just enough for us to come in on a Sunday morning and hear a sermon and say, "Woo, hey, I can check that off. I did, my, I did the right thing. I went to church on Sunday, even heard the preacher, even put a, put a few dollars in the offering box, all that good stuff. Check, check, check. 
It's, discipleship goes more than that. It becomes, it becomes a daily way of living, a daily lifestyle. And, and, and we've got to learn to get into the Word for ourselves. Uh, it's, it's nice to have someone cook for you every now and then, but, but I can't cook the Word of God every single day for you. You know, in other words, you've got to learn how to prepare some meals too, right? And many of you do. M- many of you have times of study, times of getting into the Word every day. Uh, so one of the things that I'm going to encourage you, that I've been encouraging for, for the last couple of, of weeks is uh, I'm challenging us as a church to walk through the Bible in a year, do the one-year Bible, along with whatever study patterns that you have with the Word of God. And now, is, is it magical that, woo, once I finished the Bible, the whole entire Bible, you know, the lights came on, the birds started chirping, the sea parted, you know. No, no it does, there is a sense of accomplishment. You're like, hey, I read the Bible. Look at that, you know. Uh, but what it does is it does get the word inside of you so that when you start doing a deeper dive and studying in, in various ways, Believe it or not, the Holy Spirit will, because, because every, everything, whether, whether you remember something cognitively, uh, every ounce of information that your brain picks up, it's still in there, whether you know how to access it or not. Well, the Holy Spirit knows how to access it, but he can't access the word of faith if you don't have the word of faith in here. So, so if, if we can read through the Bible... Also, it's, it's kind of hard to convince people that, hey, I live my life according to this book. Well, have you ever read it? Well, parts of it. Well, how can you really claim that you live your life according to a book if you've never really read it? You know, uh, is it the most effective study, way to study the Bible? No, it's not meant for that. It's, 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 a, it's a long uh, marathon read. <laughs> But it does get the material into your heart and into your head, and, and it is life-changing. Trust me, as you're reading it, it once you go through the one-year Bible, as you're going through the one-year Bible, uh, things will leap off the page. Uh, now, don't use it as a time to stay away from people. Hey, I can't talk to you right now. I'm reading the Bible. <laughs> no, we need to interact with people. But trust me, we make enough time to scroll on our phones or to surf the Internet you could take 20 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, and, and uh, replace some of that scrolling time with scrolling through the Word of God on your phone or on your tablet, or opening up the pages of your actual physical Bible. Uh, I think Rebecca Romo, did you just go buy that one just the other day? Rebecca Romo read uh, Luke chapter 2 for us uh, at the uh, uh, Christmas Eve service, and she said, hey, I'm going to go buy me a new Bible for this. And, and yeah, it was, it was one of those cool, big, physical, looked like a family Bible almost. I like, man, there's something about sometimes hold, holding the Word of God. Uh, so anyways, what I want to talk to us today about on this last Sunday of the year, I'm making it sound all official in King James. Knoweth thy sword. Knoweth thy sword. If you're going to use a sword, if you're going to say you live by, you know, the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. Ooh, I live by the Word of God. Have you read it? Some of it. No, that's not good enough. You've got to know it. You've got to know your sword. Uh, unfortunately, we treat the Word of God, modern Christians too far too often, treat the Word of God the same way we treat the news cycle. 
we sound bite it. You know what I mean? We, we don't sit down and digest the news like we used to. Nowadays, it's sound bites, headline bites. As we're surfing the internet, we're like, what? And you see about a 30-second sound bite that you can take out of context any way you want. Well, it's the same thing. That's how a lot of Christians use the Word of God. Ooh, what a wonderful meme. You know, we're surfing the internet, and somebody's placed one scripture up there, and ooh, look at that. And we live off of this. Well, hey, if you can start studying it and learn the context in which it was said and and unpack it, you'll understand even more truth about it other than the awesome font and background (laughs) that was created for this graphic that goes up on the screen. And yet in our busy instant society, we treat the word of God far too often in the same way. Little sound bites of the word of God, little snippets of a preacher saying this or that, you know, uh, and, and so we get caught up in, in not only the fullness of truth, we get caught up in, you know, like I was saying, the font, the beautiful graphic, you know, the cool jeans that the preacher has on. What kind of cool tennis shoes is he wearing? Does he have a cool beard? Does he have, you know, or, or, or whatnot, you know, it's just, it's, it's we, we, we get caught up, we, we lose sight of just the word, we get caught up in the, the peripherals of life. But if you're going to know your sword, you have to understand it. So I brought today... A sword, if you will. Believe it or not, this is a, yes, it's a real sword. And no, you can't touch it. Uh, it's actually, believe it or not, it's, I was in Kauai, the island of Kauai in the Hawaiian Islands. And it is a, I was looking at it, I love swords. And uh, so I was checking it out and they said it's a Hawaiian broadsword. And what, what attracted me to it was the, uh, the, the wood grain on the way that the wood grain was stained on the handle. It, I thought it was really pretty. And they said, it's a Hawaiian broadsword. And I said, what? I don't know how big y'all get around here, but in Texas, that's a machete, you know? Uh, but only because I tend to, like, if you say broadsword, I think of the Western European type of broadsword, which would be two-handed, big old long, long thing. And, you know, you see they're having to just really, you know, but for the Hawaiians, it's a broadsword. So you have to understand your swords. They're going to fight differently than the Western Europeans did, right? You're not going to show up in the Hawaiian Highlands with a Western European sword, right? Like King Arthur. You know why? Because they're going to get really close to you and do a little bit more hand-to-hand combat. Uh, they're, they're very influenced, the Polynesians very influenced from the Orient. So there's a little bit more hand-to-hand close contact. So they don't want big, long, giant swords. They'll take a shorter sword, right? So you got to know your sword. You got to understand the balance of it. You got to know what it's for. Uh, so you can slice with the sword, right? Uh, they got these little teeth that are pointed backwards. So like if you happen to stick it in something and pull it out, it's going to leave a mark, right? Uh, you got to understand what, what it's for. Also, you're not going to go fight a war over in Western Europe using this, right? <laughs> you're going to want big, longer weapons because they, you know, they, they fight a little different style. So, uh, in the hands of a skilled warrior, this could be a tool of liberation. You know, you could liberate somebody's chains. You could cut your way to freedom through a thicket. Uh, in the hands of somebody uh, with ill intent, this could become very damaging. Just like a scalpel, 
put, put the scalpel in the hands of a trained doctor, it could actually mean life. Put the scalper in the hand, a scalpel in the hands of someone very twisted and demented, it could be very destructive and harmful. Same thing with the Word of God. I've seen the Word of God be wielded by men and women, and it bring life and liberty. And sometimes it has to cut away some things, cut away some scales from the eyes that maybe didn't, didn't feel great at first, but man, it brings liberty and life. I've also seen the Word of God wielded in ways that have brought a lot of destruction to people. And so you've got to know your sword. You've got to know the purpose for your sword, okay? It's very, very powerful. Matter of fact, Ephesians 6.17 says this. When, when, when Paul is talking about the armor of God, and we studied about it some months back, he said, put on salvation as your helmet. You remember the word, we say it a lot around here. The word salvation in the Greek is sozo, which means wholeness, rest, restoration, wellness, uh, lacking nothing. So he's saying, put the mindset of wholeness, no lack, wellness, wholeness, restoration, redemption as your helmet. That's, you need to protect your thought with your salvation or your sozo, right? And then it says, take the sword of the spirit. The Holy Spirit wields a sword. Think about it. The, the Holy Spirit of God who comes and dwells in you, who you are possessed with, has a weapon. He wants to wield a sword, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, does he have anything he can pull out and fight with? Or did you leave him weaponless? He's only going to access, he's got a lot of information from the Father. He wants to teach you, but he can only access what you got in here. Right? So the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. When you read the word of God, it's not just words on paper. It's actually a living document. It never changes, but it changes to you. The way I understand the word of God now is completely different than how I understood it 10 years ago in my journey. Because it's... It, on one hand, it seems to evolve, but it's really not evolving. I'm the one who's evolving. I'm the one who grows up enough that I can, oh, I'm understanding this completely different now. Oh, I'm understanding this with much more depth now. I need to keep studying this, right? Why? Because it's alive and it's powerful. The Bible says it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. So no matter how much I can sharpen this thing, the Word of God is going to still be sharper. Cutting between soul and spirit or cutting between suke and spirit. You remember we said in the Greek, or Latin, suke means that which pertains to the mind. So it cuts between your mind or your consciousness and spirit. Have you ever gone through life saying, you know, I think, I think maybe God's telling me to, I don't know. Was that really God or was that me? Lord, did I miss you or did I hear you? Have you ever had those moments? Well, the word of God will actually help you to divide what's your thoughts and what's his thoughts? That's some powerful stuff. It says not only that, it says cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. How many turkey carvers do we have in here? Who gets to carve the turkey? 
for Thanksgiving or if you even roast a whole chicken. You know, sometimes some of the toughest point is like where, where the leg is connected like to their hip and you just, you know, and you, man, I got that electric knife. I call it, my, my electric knife is called, this, you know, because you got to name your swords, right? You got to name. So my electric knife is called the, the knife of wooing because the other Thanksgiving, Erica bought it for me as a gift. And I said it was to try to, I said, you're trying to woo me to marry you. So, and it worked. That's a powerful, hey, that's a powerful sword right there. That's powerful as the word of God. So even yesterday, I was going to slice up my brisket. I said, hey, where's the, where's the knife of wooing? The sword of wooing. And, and uh, but man, let me tell you, I got to go for something hardcore sometimes to get the, where the bone and the marrow, the, the marrow and the joint of that turkey, like I, I got to get that leg off of the, off of the turkey carcass, right? So it says that it can even do that between the joint and the marrow. In other words, the deepest, darkest, most intimate recesses of who you are that nobody else has access to. The word of God can get in there and carve that up. It says it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It can expose your innermost thoughts and desires. Things you don't even tell your best friend. The word of God can shine light on it for you to deal with. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. Y'all still with me? Am I making you nervous holding this sword? Nice. Get you suspenseful. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. We need to know what is true because Jesus said truth will set you free. Sometimes truth is hard to take, but man, the truth will set you free. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. This is why we've got to get into the Word of God as a family, as a fellowship. We've got to get into the Word of God. And I'm feel, I've been feeling so impressed uh, to, to encourage us. You know, I'm, I'm not touting some magical thing about the one-year Bible. But, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit has been in, impressing on me the last two months to start prepping everyone Listen, we're going to challenge each other. Go through the one-year Bible. Download the Bible app to your phone or to your tablet if it makes it easier. Uh, They've got a plethora of one-year Bible plans. Uh, Pick whatever translation you want to. If you want to be able to read it easily, uh, the NLT, the message, any of those things, just to be able to start getting the Word of God in you. Now, there's, there's better translations for deeper study and dives that we can talk about, but I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to get us used to, to consuming the Word of God. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Man, that's powerful to be able to correct. Some of us are stubborn, myself included. And yet there's times that I'll read the Word of God even after all these years and I'll go, ooh, yeah, you're right, Lord. I got to change that. Jesus, and then this is, what, this is what jumps out at me. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. If God is going to use anything, it's going to be his word to prepare you to do every good work that he has already assigned for you to do. Now, that leaps out at me at the fact that God uses it. Does God even need to use a tool? No. 
But his word is powerful enough that he says, ooh, I'm going to use it. If it's good enough for God to use, it ought to be good enough for me to use. Amen? Finally, Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. The word of God, if you'll, I, I guarantee you, if you, will, if you will accept this challenge and begin to know your sword and to start reading through the Bible in a year, uh, I guarantee you, you will see much more illumination on your path for your feet and for your life to walk. You'll be able to start navigating through some things. And it's going to whet your appetite enough, you're going to want to dive deeper into the Word of God. That's where all of our Bible studies will come in. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. If I look over the last 20 years of my life, my life is completely different than what I thought. I, I had no clue. When I look around, I look at my environment, I look at the cast of characters, all you folk <laughs> and everything else. Uh, when I look around at my terrain, it, it doesn't resemble anything of what life was like 20 years ago. That's not a bad thing. I'm blessed in life. I have a lot to be grateful for. But still, it teaches me that life is very transient. Nothing lasts forever. Everything changes. That's just part of life. But the one thing that has remained the same over all these years is the Word of God. The Word of God. It becomes the one anchor in your life. It's so powerful, it never changes. Amen. So, I felt very impressed. I don't know who this will be for. For some of you, this is going to be review. Uh, for some of you, it may be illumination where you go, oh, I was not aware of that. Okay? If you're going to read through the Bible, one, one of the reasons why, number one, if I say, hey, read through the Bible in a year, some of you just kind of glaze over. Like, uh, you get like fog head, right, really quick. Some of it is, I've had people say, I don't even know where to start. Have you seen how thick that book is? I don't even know, where, where do I start? Where do I even start in the Bible? Do I start from the beginning? You know, am I going to read it straight through? How is things, I mean, that's a lot of, is it all chronological? Is it this? Is it that? Is it, so, so to start by knowing your sword, it, it would help for you to understand how the Bible is divided up. Well, all the various councils years ago got together and finally packaged up what we consider our current canon. What, what was the mindset? How did they group things together? Okay. And like I said, most of you, most of you, uh, many of you that, that have already been involved in your own studies, uh, this will probably be familiar. Some of you, this may be new material or a reminder where you go, oh yeah, I forgot about this. So we're going to need to understand how the word of God is divided up. So you have Old Testament and New Testament. There you go. See, y'all are smarter than you thought, right? First five books of the Bible. The Bible is not chronological. The Bible doesn't. Uh, matter of fact, you'll start reading some stuff down in some of the prophets that's talking about things that happened way back into the other part of the Bible. <clears throat> and you'll think, oh, oh, we've gone back to that. Okay, I didn't realize we were talking about that. Well, it's because that was written about the same time this was. So the Bible basically is a collection of scrolls, letters, Facilities all grouped together. Helga, tell them I said hello and Merry Christmas. <laughs> Helga's from Munich, Germany. 
by the way. If you have not met Helga yet, make sure you, make sure you meet her. And, and uh, so I introduced her to David, who's from Hamburg. And it was funny because it's the North and the South meeting, and they, was, they were sparring off already. So. Uh, so the first five books of the Bible would be called the Pentateuch. If you need to, uh, if some of this is fresh information, take a picture of some of these screens or jot it down. The Pentateuch, it, 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 it talks about five. Now, up until this point, the history of the beginning of the world, all that tended to be oral amongst uh, the, the Jewish people. Moses comes along and winds up actually being credited for scribing you know, the, the history of creation all the way up uh, to the law of God, the law of Moses into Deuteronomy, right? So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That would be sectioned off as the Pentateuch. That uh, also would be the, the first written Torah. Originally, Torah was, uh, the Torah was, was verbal amongst the Jews, but this would have been the first, first written Torah. Then you're going to move to the next section, which is called the historical books. It's going to have uh, uh, different, basically different stories in the history of the Jewish people that are very inspirational. So you've got Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, the, all those guys, and Esther. Uh, that's categorized in the historical book. So if you're reading through the one-year Bible, you get to all these books, you realize, oh, I'm in the historical section now. We're talking about some of the history. All right. Next would be what's called the poetic and wisdom books. A cluster of poetic and wisdom books, a little bit more artsy. You've got Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Those are all considered poetry or books of wisdom. They, they clustered all those guys together. Okay? So if you're reading from any of these books on your one-year journey, you can know, oh, I'm still in the poetry and wisdom books. Okay? Then, then we're going to move on to the prophets. The prophets are sectioned into two major prophets. So, of course, the next thing we'll find out about are, if these are guys are major, the other ones are labeled as minor, minor prophets. Now, it doesn't mean that these guys are more important than the other ones. It just means these guys wrote far more prophecies than the other ones. So, these are the bigger books of the prophets, and then the smaller books of the prophets are clustered as major, so, or minor. So, you have major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, which means that the next group is minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, unless you're Italian, we'll call him Malachi, right? That's the, that's the Italian prophet right there, Malachi. He wielded the word and lots of good garlic. So, so that's how the Old Testament is divided up. It's not all chronological, right? So you can be reading Zechariah, and he's talking about some stuff that took place back in the, in the history books because he was prophesying during that time. So, uh, now, interestingly enough, thanks to modern technology, there there's actually a one-year Bible. It's called the one-year chronological Bible, and so it will actually section all of the books of the Bible in chronological order, rather than clustering them per subject like this. So, uh, if anyone's interested in that. So, that brings us to the New Testament. See, I told you. 
It's divided in, the first part would be kind of clumped together as the gospels, gospel meaning good news. So it's, it's, it's different people's good news about Jesus, as well as the acts of the apostles. So the gospels would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four different accounts of the life of Jesus. Okay. Four different, uh, uh, most of them eyewitnesses. Luke was, was a uh, physician uh, and actually a Gentile physician who actually did a ton of research to put together. Uh, it's actually probably one of my favorite gospels because uh, uh, he, he did a ton of research to put together one of the most accurate, detailed uh, versions of the gospel uh, that, that he could put together. So, and then of course the book of Acts, which basically is the Acts of the Apostles. So, the, the, some of the Acts of the early church when, this, when, when our church first formed uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, some, of the, some of the miracles that took place. And then you go into the crux of the New Testament, which is epistles. And the word epistles really just means letters. Yes. See, man, you guys are brilliant. Epistles. It means letters. There are lots of letters written, the majority of which are, were written by the apostle Paul. So, uh, because Paul's, I have found, especially if you're hanging out with Paul Jones, Paul Gibbs, Paul's have lots to say. So, no, no different than the Apostle Paul. Uh, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, all of those are two churches that were in those regions. And then you have letters that he wrote to uh, particular people to to be read to. Uh, more people, for those people to read off to more people. Timothy, Titus, Philemon, uh, Hebrews. And then you got uh, a letter written by James. You got a couple of letters written by Peter. And a few written by John. Then you got a letter written by Jude. Not, not the guy who inspired Paul McCartney's song. Not the same time frame. And then finally, you have what would be labeled apocalypse. Now, the word apocalypse, most people think it means the end of the world. Ah, it's the apocalypse is upon us. The word apocalypse actually means uh, that which is uncovered or that which is revealed, right? Or in other words, revelation. And interestingly enough, uh, a lot of people think, man, Revel book of Revelation is confusing, is this and that. It's really, the official name is the Revelation of Jesus Christ. And it, and it is, he says at the beginning that you know, the Lord, when the Lord appears to John on the Isle of Patmos, he said, he said, write these as symbols, symbols. And all the symbols, if you look at them, are actually in reference to the Old Testament tabernacle. And so if you really want to understand Revelation, go back and study the Old Testament tabernacle, and the Pentateuch. You know, so to the Jews for the time, all these symbols would have actually made pretty good sense. They just get lost in translation with our modern culture and stuff. So uh, who knows, maybe the Lord this coming year will let us kind of dive into this. But it's not necessarily the revealing of the end of the world. It's really truly the, the revealing of the nature of Christ is what the book is about. And, and as it ends, it's glorious because after all this craziness and all this, these things that, that leave you aghast at the very, very end of the book, it says that the bride and the lamb appear outside of the great city and says to all come.
come. What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way. I don't know how things will all end and go down, but ultimately it'll end with the bride and the lamb beckoning for everybody. Come, come. And that should really be the heart of the church today, right? So the word apocalypse doesn't mean, so if you hear the term, ah, the zombie apocalypse, really what's being said is the revealing of the zombies, right? You following me? So if uh, the word apocalypse just means uh, the revealing. So with that, I hope 2022 is pretty apocalyptic for all you guys. (laughs) Because I hope the Holy Spirit reveals some incredible things to you. I don't want the zombies to come get you on 2022, but not a zombie apocalypse, but a Holy Ghost apocalypse, right? So that's basically how how your sword is divided up, okay? Uh, Now pray about it. Ask God, hey, will you help me on this challenge? And ask, ask him, hey, he'll let you know what translation to read, what's going to be best for you. Uh, you know, there's some folks that still love the King James. I was joking in our staff meeting the other day, said because uh, I was like, hey, I'm going to read from the King James for Christmas Eve. And I said, just the same version that the Apostle Paul and Peter read from, right? So, uh, but no, some folks, some folks still love the King James. Uh, the, the, some of the old wording just doesn't, doesn't always process for my brain. So uh, there, there's some other wonderful translations that are, that are actually easily digestible for, for doing this long read, right? Uh, hey Amen. Let's all stand. Everyone still with me? We're going to know our sword, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it will, it will, I promise you, it will change your life. Even reading through the Bible one time. Now, with that being said, with that being said, we also need to study, the Bible says, study to show yourself approved uh, workmen who are worthy. Well, their study, study goes beyond just reading the Word of God. And so we have Bible studies that will be starting back up first week of, of September, or not September, February, thank you. Uh, first week of February. Hey, we'll be doing them in September as well. But first week of February, uh, we'll kick back into our Bible studies. We'll have men's Bible study on Saturday morning, women's Bible study Tuesday evenings. Wednesday evening, we will have, uh, still continue with our Bible study at the Jackson Apartments. You don't have to live at the Jackson. We meet in a common area. Uh, and Samia gives us access to it. So thank you so much, Samia. Uh, what I want, I want everyone to pray about. Now, I also, Paul has been having Bible study. I don't, I don't know if you're continuing these or not. Paul, on Sunday night, has been having Bible study at his house. Uh, he's got a really cool method called uh, Havarim, which is actually a very rabbinical method, the way that uh, the rabbis would have been teaching uh, back, back during the time of Christ. Uh, it's very effective. Uh, way to do like a really good deep dive corporately with a group of people into the Word of God. So if you're interested in that, chat with Paul. Uh, there's also another Bible study. I'm trying to, I've been trying to contact the, the gentleman. Uh, if anyone lives up in the elements, um, there's a Bible study that one of the residents uh, has been kind of trying to start. I think it's kind of start it, stop, start it, stop. So you know, in any way that we could be of service and and help, but the, I did find out that the key on that, with it, it's, it's conducted in the elements, and so it, it is exclusive to the elements. <laughs> so they're very particular 
Uh, so, but if, if you live in the elements, uh, uh, we can try to get more information on that. What I want you to pray about is this. Uh, I would love us to f- have officially another, a fourth Bible study planted this, this, for the winter months. We were able to plant the one at the Jackson this past fall. I would love for a fourth one official to be planted. Uh, so, so pray if the Lord would have you open your home. I have a teacher for it, but I, I just need a home for it. Uh, so pray if the Lord would have you open your home and, and perhaps we could get that planet this, this coming February. Wouldn't it be awesome to have every night of the week someone having a Bible study here within the community so whatever night or whatever time works best, you could, you could plunge into it. And that's really, that's where beautiful growth from within is going to happen. That's where growth from the outside. To our Bible studies, we got folks that attend other fellowships that will come to our Bible study. And that's beautiful. That's the body of Christ working. And so we study together and we bless them. And on Sunday, they worship at the, the other fellowship that they're a part of. But, but it, we're all part of the body of Christ. And we can come together and grow together and strengthen each other. Amen. Let's all pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us to the end of this school year. This school year. Lord, I need some sleep to recover from your birthday party. Uh, So, Lord, uh, thank you for bringing us to the end of this year, this calendar year. And, uh, Lord, we just love you. And we thank you. We wait in great anticipation for all the things that you have in store for us in 2022 and all the challenges that, that you will permit to be in front of us, you'll already have provision by faith. And so we trust you on it. Lord, I pray that you put a hunger in each of our heart to dive into the word of God, to explore your word, to let it be life-changing. And uh, we just thank you for it. Bring us all back together next week as a family. Bring everyone home safe who's traveling for the holidays. And uh, just let us... Let us grow together as we grow in you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing one more time as a family before we're dismissed.